Episode 192, we break down the first two days Bassmaster Sleet Series on Lake Fork. What an exciting event. What happened to Lee Livesey? What's going on? Lots of good conversation, bass talk, talk fantasy fishing, touch on MLF, and a whole bunch of other things. Hope you enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. Right, it's the night of the 50 cut. Friday night going into the weekend, Lake Fork, the Goat Lake, is definitely showing out big time. But there's a few anglers that a lot of us thought would do really well that didn't do so great. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of Lake Fork, talk about the weekend, just hang out and have some bass fishing chat tonight. Welcome, everybody, to Hella Bass Live on a Friday night, weekend edition, TGIF. What is going on, everybody? See lots of familiar faces? I, I don't know. This weekend thing might be a thing, at least until uh, spring rolls around. Speaking of spring, spring felt like it sprung today. It was 57 degrees. The ponds by my house have opened up. I don't know how much longer it is before the... Kyle Patrick Fishing, why are you looking at this on Instagram when you should be rigging your tackle? Nice job. Shout out to Kyle Patrick Fishing on Instagram. Uh, lurking. But... Uh, he made me look smart and fantasy fishing this weekend, didn't he? In my bucket B. So keep it up, young man. Put those powerhouse lithiums to work and find you some bigs for two more days. Speaking of which, tonight's Hellabass Live, as always, is presented by Arsenal Fishing and boosted by Powerhouse Lithium. Yes, Visor Gang. You know, it just reminded me, I have not uh, updated the code for Omnia Fishing. We might have to do that tonight. Um, get going on that. I don't have the new one ready, but I do have it. So I might have to pull it up while we're, we're chit-chatting tonight. It's good. Looks good. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Uh, fancy Fishing rebound a little bit for me. Um, so that was good. Had a good first tournament, and it wasn't so great after day one, but Patrick Walters rebounded. Most of my team went up except for Pipkins today. He went he went sideways. He was looking like a good E-pick. Uh, before we forget, Chris McVeigh, new YouTube member. That's awesome, Chris. Welcome to Team Hella. Make sure we give you the uh, proper welcome here. One of us, one of us, one of us. Welcome to the Visor Gang. Bill, see, uh, yeah, what did happen to Lee Livesey? I did hear him weigh in, and he basically said he got in his own head and got down the wrong track and got spun out. I'm sure we've all been there, those of us that have fished tournaments before or just had a tough day on the lake. But I thought a tough day for Livesey or a tough tournament for Livesey would have been like a top 25 to 50, not a you know, a 70th or whatever it ended up being. So did not see that coming. I knew, I mean, I knew he wasn't a live scoper, but I thought, you know, he didn't 
Yeah, you had two tournaments where you had over 110 pounds on uh, that body of water without live scope. I thought he could surely get 80 pounds, you know, with uh, with not having live scope. But uh, I guess we are wrong there. What's up, Stephanie? <clears throat> Gore. Yep. The problem is, I hear a lot of people say, uh, right, like oh, I'm only going to pick scopers. I'm only going to pick rookies, and that's going to, you know fix my problems well the problem is all of those people are going to be in a and b after this weekend and you still got to make tough decisions in c d and e for the people that aren't catching them yeah i, I also feel i mean there's a lot of pressure on lee livesey on his home lane so yeah matt robertson there was not just lee livesey had a tough tournament there was a lot of people uh, i think john cruz had like five pounds today I mean, who kicked out Hamner BP? You know, there's definitely people say they don't enjoy the lives, but I feel like Fork is a much more interesting tournament to watch than Toledo Bend, right? I mean, Toledo Bend, it was almost exclusively, um, right, uh, hanging minnows and a little bit of jerkbait. But it was mostly people literally spinning around a jighead minnow and not even casting much. Whereas, you know, Fork, we've we've seen some sight fishing. We've seen people throwing chatterbaits. We've seen jerkbaits. We've seen some of the big baits. I mean, uh, Matty Wong hooked up some nice fish today on a glide bait. I mean, he was using live scope to help assist, but I still thought that was a much more interesting experience to watch. Uh, and there's just a lot more. Even though live scope is being highly leveraged, it's not the only thing that's happening. It's not the only thing that's somewhat relevant, but it's more like a, an assist tool versus only like that's all they're doing. So, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it was great to see Maddie. Maddie was great on live today, although he did. You guys see that giant that he, he lost that he had hooked up on the one hook on a, a glide bait. Um yeah, we didn't talk about. I actually was watching the weigh-in because he weighed in like just before, just after Lee Livesey, and he basically, you know, ah, man, that's just not the way I was raised. That's not the way I know how to fish. I just can't look down. I got to look up, and it's just like, I, I, it is what it is. I, I don't, I don't really want to hear the excuses at this point. <clears throat> Yeah, Manny Wong was awesome to watch today. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple times. Uh, yeah, Trey McKinney, the 19-year-old, caught most of his on a jerk bait, I believe. Yeah, according to Bass, the viewership is up. So I don't know if it's the the vocal minority on a lot of this, you know, front-facing talk. I guess only time will tell. Yeah, he also what didn't he like break a fish off and then catch the fish with a trick bait in his mouth or, um, Safe Ham says that uh, I think he's talking to Lee Lewis. He's saying that some of his guide friends said he has tunnel vision, but 
Yeah. I mean, it happens, right? The same stuff that sometimes make you great on your home lake makes you vulnerable on your home water sometimes. Was live on YouTube today? Because I didn't think I could see it, but maybe it was just my TV that didn't. Uh... I know last weekend it was. Yeah, there was a. I saw a couple of the nice fish that Wong caught on the glide. He also lost a good one on the glide, but I know a couple of them had it choked. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Toledo was YouTube. I don't think they had YouTube up for uh, Fork. <clears throat> there could be a little bit of the Millican effect. That definitely is not hurting the numbers. Let's see. Uh... Uh, Drunkwood says he's watching on Instagram. Glide, Maddie Wong and Glidebates won the show for him. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny uh, that uh, Lake Fork is a fun place to watch, and it's been pretty entertaining. Like, let's just talk about some of that. Should do a live look at my fantasy fishing here. <clears throat> Let me try to bring that up here. So, it's still in the dark green here, 90.7%. Uh, so many people picked Livestay, though. It didn't seem to cost me much in percentage because it was like 70, 80%, even though he had a tough tournament. Uh, and 934 is not a strong score, but there were so many people that didn't score good that... Uh, yeah, it didn't seem to hurt too bad. But Walter's huge comeback today with 32 pounds, you know, moving up, what, 72 places? No, 52 places. Uh, Kyle Patrick remaining consistent, you know, pretty much matching what he had. Uh, Livesey did get a few points back today, but a little, little too late. I mean, even if he could have just caught, you know, what, with the what Patrick Walters caught yesterday, right? Of uh, you know, 18, 17 pounds, he could have been flirting with the 50 cut, and then obviously he's still very dangerous. Uh, John Garrett left one on the table yesterday, had four for 20, backed it up with 30 pounds, four ounces a day. You know, another two, three, four, five pounder on his total yesterday would have really put him in a prime position. Um, and then Pipkins kind of fell today. Um, which I thought it was pretty good. Like Pipkins out of e-bucket getting 23 pounds at 39th. I was feeling pretty good about, and that came unraveled today. <clears throat> um, yeah. Fishing fixes. Yeah. 1044 with Livesey. Uh Welcher and Walters flipped for me. Yeah. So you had Welcher. Both of those had uh, 30 pound bags and big comebacks today. <laughs> Take a little peek at drain the lake. Looks like I fell a little harder in drain the lake. Uh, Keith Combs dropped, Chris Seldane dropped, Pipkins dropped, Blaylock dropped. Uh, yeah, Livesey and Robertson were a miss. <clears throat> Pat Schlopper had a tough day today. Uh, and then Maddie, Maddie might be my saving grace here. If he can win, which he's definitely in the mix in contention for, you know, Maddie Wong, if I get that 650 points 
that could save my drain the lake roster. I think the 116 is for sure going to happen. They're probably going to go a little higher than that, I would imagine. <clears throat> see here. Just go over and look at the standings. So it's interesting that um, the uh, right. So I have this sheet. It's hard to see this, but do we think the record will fall? Can should uh, Paul Elias be nervous? right in this at all because he has a record at one <clears throat> let's see here it's hard to read one no what is it Ugh. so super hard 132.08 right his first day at Falcon when he had 130 was only 28.05. Then he had 39.01. Then he had 27.7. Then he finished with 37.11. Um, so he did not start super big. He kind of built and then finished, which was interesting, though, because Aaron Martins actually was leading that tournament and was well on the way to break the record, but he only had 19 pounds the last day. Uh Terry Scroggins had 132.04. So when when um, Paul Elias broke the record, Terry Scroggins was super close. That was a super tight tournament. <clears throat> um, there was definitely guys that were on pace in that tournament to break 100 pounds as well, which is interesting. So, yeah, I mean... Right now, right, if you double what McKinney has, he's going to be really close, right? No, he's, is he 67 times two is 134. So he's right there. He's just, he is on pace. So he's the only one that's on pace. But if somebody puts up a Taco Itu 39 pound bag, you know, they're right there. <clears throat> So I think it's a little bit like after yesterday, I was feeling like, yeah, they could definitely um, break the record. But now I'm a little less confident because things flattened out just a little bit here um, today. So I think not, I think it's possible. I think fish are going to be moving up. And I, and I, it's a good point, Anthony guys about the warm. I don't know if that's going to help or make it worse. I almost think if it stayed cool and the fish teamed held up where like McKinney and Wong and those guys are fishing for him, that would be better. If they start flooding the bank, I don't know if that makes it better. Uh, Stephanie says, have they always had catchway release rule in the Elite Series? No, they only do it when they go to Lake Fork. That's the only tournament. So only like every other year when they go to Fork, they use it because Fork has such a big slot limit. They have to do it. Otherwise, they'd have to keep fish under 16 inches and only one over 24. Eighty-six baits had a drop today. Is that uh, was that being used by somebody today? <clears throat> um, I think 
as an overall trend, they will taper off some, Chris, but there will be some guys that, like, there was people, like, I mean, right, uh, Walters had 18, then he had 32, and you had vice versa, guys that had high 20s that didn't make the cut. The, the weighing is definitely faster. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the weather helps or hinders this. Um... All right, so rally for Bass Pundit. If they had front-facing sonar on Falcon, they would have been 160. That might be true. Um, okay. He's saying Maddie was throwing an 86 Bates Doom Rider. Okay. Yeah, I think in a catch and release format, I mean, if all those scales are calibrated, I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, I do see that if you're saying bed fishing multiple days, yeah, I don't think that's where the majority of the fish are coming from this week. But... So Chris says he thinks uh, McKinney is going to break Elias's record. Wouldn't that be crazy if, like, you know, a 19-year-old kid broke Paul Elias's record? That'd be wild. Army Outdoors checking in. He's pulling for McKinney. Hopefully, you do catch some tanks out there in South Cal. I don't remember them bringing five fish up in a year. I didn't say it doesn't happen, but I don't remember that. <laughs> um, Rick says, how come they don't go to Falcon anymore? Um, probably, I don't know. The fishing is not real great at Falcon. It's probably more about the Chamber of Commerce. There's nobody's putting up the money to have them come. So without the money, they're not interested. That a lot of, you know, we'd like to think that a lot of schedule making is about catching big fish and for the fans, but a lot of schedule making is based on the money the chambers of commerces are putting up to host them. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, <clears throat> quite a few people like Rivette and others saying, "Hey, yeah, I had a pretty good day. I had twenty four. I had twenty eight. I had 32 pounds, but, you know, I had the bites to have 40. Also a good point, cell reception could probably be a problem. Most of when they went, like, in 2008, and then the other time, I don't remember. The first time they went in 2008, they wouldn't have had live coverage back then. So it all would have been, you know, pre-recorded and then put out as a show. Uh, which you can watch on YouTube on the Lynn Dollar channel. It's definitely uh, worth watching. But the, I don't remember the one that Rick Clun was in it that who ended up winning that? Because Rick Clun was like leading and then they had a win day. I forget who ended up winning that one. But uh, I don't remember if that was during the live. I think they had some live. It may not have been as full of live back then. Who did win that one? The second one at. It's Jack again. It's all about the money. Minnetonka, there's nobody at Minnetonka that's going to pay, you know, 50 to 100 grand to have the, the elites come. Um, So discrepancy in Taku's weight, <clears throat> I mean, it is 
the 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 bass track is still unofficial. You still have potential user error from the marshals entering it in and updating the bass track. So they are writing everything down, and then everything does get trued up at the end. You know, you can have marshals that don't have batteries. You know, their phone dies. They don't have signal. They can't get it updated. Uh, they're not. You know, people that volunteer to be boat marshals maybe not be the most tech savvy people in the world. You know, it could be older gentlemen, uh, not used to their phones. Could be a lot of things, but they true it all up at the end. That's why they do. Bass track is still unofficial, and they have that weigh-in uh, process to verify and validate all those catches. I know day one they were saying there was a mix-up between Brandon Carter and Brandon Cobb. I think Brandon Cobb's boat official was actually updating Brandon Card's weights. So, um, I don't think forward-facing sonar is going to be banned. I don't. Uh, yeah, good reminder. Hit tap the like button if you remember. PA appreciated. Yeah, Taku is always entertaining for sure. But let's see. I mean, like just looking at here right now, Cooper Gallant sneaking in uh, to the top 10 with 59 pounds. So, you know, almost 30 pounds a day just to make the top 10. Uh, missing a fish on day one. So he had, what, four for 28. So, like, interesting to see if that, you know, even a three-pounder could end up costing him uh, quite a few positions at the end of this. Uh, Wesley Gore, two solid days. Ben Milliken, sounded like he had a tougher day. He rallied late just to get to that 25 pounds. Sounded like he was didn't catch his first fish till 11 o'clock. Uh, so that that is interesting. Uh, Fouts making that, some some noise here. Jordan Lee had a big bag today. Chris Johnson had a big bag. Norsetter fell off from his big day one. Uh, we talked about Garrett's rally. Walters had a big rally. Seth Fighter, very consistent. You know, just consistent, almost 25-pound bags has him sitting in 30th place, which is pretty wild. I think the previous cut weights at the other, like, non-fall, like, the, the, the fall November fork tournament, I think the cut was 20 pounds for two days, like 10 pounds a day. The other ones all were right around, like, 33 to 36. I mean, they were like 16 to 18 pounds a day to make the cut. <clears throat> and this week, it took a cool 42.15. So over 21 pounds a day. Bill Lowen and Frank Talley and Scott Martin all had 21 pounds a day. Didn't make the cut. I mean, I don't even know that. Was St. Lawrence that high? Maybe. Right around there, maybe last year, some of those smaller tournaments were 20 ish, maybe St. Clair. Uh, pretty wild to think that basically the top 28 are on pace, bleh, on pace for 100 pounds. Cobb did have a big jump today, right? Polinick and every above them are technically on pace for a century belt, but basically. Only a third of those guys are going to get a chance at it because two-thirds of these top 28 are going home because only the top 10 are fishing the final day. There's, there's going to be, right, I think 
you're going to need 80 or pretty close to 80 to make the top 10. More than that, you're going to need high 80s, right? You're going to have to be between 85 and 90, like 85 to 88 probably to make the top 10. So you're going to have people that are like 80, 82, 83 pounds potentially aren't going to get a chance to go out and, you know, catch uh, 18 to 20 pounds to make it'll be, I think it'll be just shy of 90. I think you'll see Travis like 88 or something like that. will be 10th place. That'd be my guess. But maybe the other nine guys are above 90. Um, Cobb did have a big jump. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see Seth fighter, you know, put up 35 pounds to make the jump. That's the other thing is like, if we think 88 pounds, Basically, you know, anybody could come back from maybe like a fighter is probably right. This this 30th ish Keith Combs fighter is probably about as far back as you could probably come to make the top 10. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But there'll be a lot of anglers that were basically on pace to like, all right, you're going to see guys between like 11th and, you know, 15th. They're going to have like high 80s in which going out on fork and only needing a modest potentially 15 to 18, 19 pound bag would have got them a century belt and they're not even going to get a chance to try it. Maybe we should do a little poll here. Um, will Elias 132.08 record fall this week at Fork. Yes or no? What do you guys think? <clears throat> Most people are saying no early. I guess it's a little, yeah. But uh, will Trey break the record, Uncle Ron? I, I do think. I think we'll see nine, nine to 10. But there is a chance that somebody goes out on the top 10 day and they just write daily what I mean. But in theory, at the way it's trending, if you make the top 10, you probably only need 12 or 13 pounds to get 100. So yeah, I do think at this point it is 10. Unless there's a big fall. Unless the only thing is if we see tomorrow that like whatever, that, that warming trend really you know, upsets the apple cart to the point where the fish get weird. They get in, like, they start going up to the bank, but they don't lock on. People shallow don't catch them. The fish are moving, you know, through the Maddie Wongs and the, the Trey McKinney's too fast where they're not able to, to cut them off. And the wops, the weights drop tomorrow. But if the weights don't drop tomorrow, then for sure it's, you know, 10 out of 10 century belts. Yeah, Keith Combs was one in 2013. Thank you, Ryan Somerville. Uh, Elias was a four-day tournament. Yep. He went... I can try to share this tab. I don't know how easy this is to see here. The, the the old records don't show up real great here. You can see his total is really easy. But so he had uh, Paul Elias, 132.08. He started day one was 2805. 
Day two was 3901. Day three was 2707. Day four was 3712. There were much bigger bags in that tournament, though. If I can figure it out here, Aaron Martins, he only he finished with 12907, but he only had 19, just under 20 the last day. So if Aaron Martins would have been kept on pace, right? He had 42, 37, 29, and then 19. Right. He potentially, if he goes out and has, because he only missed, you know, uh, Paul Lass beat him by like three pounds. If he goes up and puts up 25, he's got 135, right? If he puts up 30, he's closer to 140, right? Like, I mean, Aaron Martin's literally had a really big opportunity, but Byron Velvick and him were fighting over a spot, and they both kind of Byron Velvick had 30 the last day, and Martin's bailed on that spot and only ended up with basically just under 20 pounds. Um, I don't remember if Elias was sharing a spot, uh, BP. Um, but to look at like the way Martin started at 42 37. Right, I think there was a 44-pound bag that somebody had. It's hard to read these stats. You can see the the full-day listings, but, yeah, pretty wild. And, like, the big fish of this was, like, 13 pounds. I think uh, Scott Campbell had a 13.02. So the big, big fish has been bigger, and the bigger weights, like, there was more 40-pound bags. We haven't seen a 40-pound bag yet at Fork. So that makes me think maybe we're not going to break the record. It'll be really interesting to see. <clears throat> it was pre four phase. I mean, back then, 2008, we were talking like color graphs were barely a thing, right? We go, we've had some watch parties on my members' channel, you know, looking at that 2006, 2000, 2008. We're talking like seven inch black and white LCD, Laurent, like LX whatever they were, Lawrence units. That was pre-site imaging for the most part. Uh, well, that was 2008 Falcon. Yep, you can you can watch the whole tournament on uh, Lynn Dollars, I believe. Uh, but there's also some good videos recapping <clears throat> just in general Elias' catch and stuff. Yeah, Scroggins had 44.4. Yep. I mean, side imaging was out, but it wasn't super, like, <laughs> I mean, that, that was the years that Van Dam was leveraging it, but I don't know that, like, every single boat even had it back then, to be honest. It was out, but it was not near the the quality of side imaging that we see now, I don't think. So, I mean, I guess... But the other thing is, you remember, I guess the thing is, you watch the final days of these tournaments, they're fishing out of, like, provided uh, sponsor boats. So you'll see that, like, they don't, most of those boats on the final, they didn't have sign imaging. Obviously, they would have had them during practice and things like that. But. Okay, that was a strat. Okay, is talking about the 2013 Combs winning it near the end, I think. Yeah, fork fish are pretty pressured. 
forward facing sonar is not the easy button. Let's just be very clear about that. <clears throat> There's a lot of anglers like, you know, Robert Gee, who finished top five or G at Toledo Bend, who struggled mightily at Lake Fork. I mean, all these guys have front facing sonar. So. Let's see here. Few Chris says he still has a few packs of man's jelly worms. That's cool. Ish was pissed with Elias on the second day because Elias had the early boat and went to the spot first. Uh, so it sounds like Ish and uh, Elias were splitting fish early on. Now, he did say he lost some fish, but yeah, it does kind of feel like it is uh, McKinney's time when stuff like that happens for sure. All right, let me uh quick little uh word from the dream team and we'll be right back. Are you ready to reel in your next home purchase or refinance? Supreme Lending's dream team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hellebath. He trusted us to help finance his home. Contact the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. We're back. Thanks for the Dream Team. Cheers to them on a Friday night. I did uh, find the, the, since it is March 1st, there is a new Omnia code. So I do have that at the bottom of the screen. I'll also post it in the chat. I'll put it in the video description eventually. But here's the the March Omnia code if you want to save 15% off on stuff this March. So sneaking up. March March snuck up on us. For sure. Clay says, you'll find him at 11, doing good this year so far. That must be because you've been picking Ben Milliken every event, Clay. Yeah, he did talk about losing fish. That's been a, a story for sure. Oh, what else is new? They did have 20% off for line. I think that's done, though, right? That one is... I don't remember if that's still going or that one's done. I mean, everybody either has front-facing center or has access to it. Whether Cox chooses to put... I mean, I know Cox used it for hunting gators, so he knows how to use it. Right. 
So I guess in other news, there was a. Did anybody know there was a uh, major league fishing uh, tackle or else invitational tournament going on right now <laughs> on West Point? West Point is kind of the opposite of Lake Fork to some degree. Take a little look here at the uh, the Lake Fork or the uh, West Point tournament. The, where Tyra Stewart has the day one lead, 21 pounds. I mean, I guess they caught him a little better than uh, people were pretty much poor-mouthing it. But, you know, it looks like it may only take 10, 10-ish pounds a day to, to make a check here. So, um, but not as bad as maybe as some people were saying it, you know, 10 pounds down to like 70. So I think 11 pounds a day probably gets you paid at uh, Old West Point. So if uh, I don't know how much front-facing sonar is playing down there. But uh, there should be live coverage tomorrow of that as well. I think I'm actually considering who would like to see a members-only kind of a lunchtime watch party where we do maybe picture-in-picture West Point and Lake Fork, kind of sound off probably or sound minimized and uh, kind of do some commentation. It would be for the members-only can't can't uh, rebroadcast their streams on YouTube for copyright reasons in the public, but let me know if you'd be interested in that. <clears throat> Here's a good question from old Nick's here. Thanks for making it, Nick. Jay Hood says, do you think legacy anglers are retired due to this front-facing sonar this year? I do think they're going to see some attrition for two reasons. I think... that um you could have some people just be like "Ah, this ain't me anymore like uh i definitely know what i have to do to compete but i'm going to choose not to and i'd rather hang it up than learn front-facing sonar or adapt um but i think the more likely scenario is dzq anglers clearly have what it takes and they are not going to be one and dones, I don't think. I think right now, about all of the EQ anglers are in the classic cut right now. So, in general, the EQ anglers are going to be basically displacing nine elite anglers every year. So, that means nine, you know, journeymen to veterans are going to get displaced every year through the, uh, uh the eqs so from that standpoint i think yes now if some of them bow out on their own but either way that they're like i said i talked about this on a stream maybe last week or the week before i literally think that we will see 50 percent of the bass match elite series rotated through because of these eqs in the next five years just bring some earbuds, Nick, in the Bass Nation. I mean, Peter's not going to see anything interesting anyways. So you could definitely just put the Bluetooth in, have it on the phone. Um, Harl's going to be on Lake Dardanelle tomorrow. That sounds fun. Uh, Ike, yeah. 
I mean, he's got nothing to prove. Eventually, Ike's going to go out on his own terms. He's not going to get eliminated. He'll choose to to be done. I don't know if it'll be next year, but he's probably not. He won't be around for five years, I don't think, just based on all the other ventures and things he has. Yeah, he did. uh, Ike was in a better mood because he brought to to bring a seven-pounder across the stage. I think I caught the blurb on Ike yesterday. Yeah, maybe Ike will get into kayak tournaments. Oh, okay. That's uh, the... Oh, Wheeler took a zero on West Point. All right. Did he not show up or did he not fish? That's interesting. I think I put Wheeler on my fantasy team as well. Let's see. Mike did have the smallest 24-inch red fork. Yes, he did. I mean, there was a lot of guys that had to let go eight to nine pounders that weren't over 24 inches, and he weighed like a, a, a seven and a half. Had eight pounds and showed up late. Ah. Well, that's not going to be good for my uh, West Point team. <clears throat> not that we really care about MLF fishing that much. What else is going on? So I think we're going to try to do a lunch, little lunch hangout tomorrow for the members. Let me see if I can get my fantasy fishing pulled up for uh I have 108 pounds and I'm in 466. Wheeler definitely hurt. Drew Gill did okay. Jake Lawrence did okay. Alex Morrison did okay. Kyle Cordiano did pretty good. Charlie Williams was up there. <clears throat> so interesting. Clay said he predicted Lee Livesey would miss the cut. He also predicted that Ben Milliken would not make a top 10 all year in the Bassmaster Opens last year. <clears throat> and he wouldn't make the elites. So Blind Squirrel finds an acorn every now and then, right, Clay? Who do I got for the win on Fork? Oh, I'd like to see. I mean, I think I'm pulling for Maddie. I don't know if he's going to win, but I'm pulling for Maddie. I'd have to think about who is most. I mean, I can't say that I'm pulling for Trey, if I'm being honest. Let's see that kid earn his stripes a little bit. Um,. Yeah, hopefully the little one gets better, Trevor. Yeah, there's possible there could be some guys that get century belts tomorrow. And after day one, I actually thought that we could see a couple people flirt with the century belt. Um, Hamner would be cool. He seems like a good dude. Uh, Who else would be? 
for those of you who may know why I'm distracted, you know. But I'm not saying anything. But the people that know, know. I bet Brian knows. I bet you Darius knows. <laughs> All right. Now that we're done with that, um, <laughs> let's get back to looking at the leaderboard here of uh, who am I pulling for? Who do I who do I think is going to win? Who I'm pulling to win? Um, <clears throat> let's see. We're definitely pulling for Maddie. Taku's already got one. I'd like to see somebody first time. I mean, nothing against Taku. Uh, of the guys in the top 10, I would say Maddie and Kyle Patrick. Those would be the two guys I'm pulling for. Stephanie is definitely on the Ben Milliken bandwagon. She's a closet fan, I think. <clears throat> she just doesn't want to tell anybody. Isn't that right, Stephanie? Kyle, where were you, Kyle? You weren't shopping, were you, Kyle? Were you doing some online shopping? Travis, were you? <laughs> Travis knows what I was doing. <laughs> we'll just say hella got his. <clears throat> I mean, Justin Atkins strong coming back. He's a. Uh, can anyone average thirty pounds? Mm, I think so. I do think the winner will be right at one twenty, uh, or thereabouts. I don't know that we're going to hit the the Paul Elias record. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's likely. We don't talk about that. <clears throat> um, they're probably probably all gone anyways. I'm sure the mole the mole told everybody. Um, I do think the winner will be between 120 and 130, but I don't think they'll quite eclipse Paul Elias. <clears throat> so that's my thoughts. Yeah. Be a little, little, little more uh, discreet, Darius. <laughs> we have to put Darius in timeout. Keeps talking like that. It's probably over though, isn't it? <laughs> Getting some flack, Darius. <clears throat> What other things do we want to talk about? Definitely think I'm going to do a lunchtime members only. I have a whatnot tomorrow at one o'clock. I've got a bunch of good six cents baits and some other stuff, some $1 starts and some cheap <clears throat> stuff tomorrow. That'll be fun. Um, I feel like I should have had a better agenda tonight. We talked fantasy. We talked tournament. Um, classics coming up. I don't know. I'm. I thought I was for sure going to be going to the classic, but I am not so sure with work, travel, and some other stuff going on. So I'm. I am definitely questionable at this point for the classic. I think. <clears throat> so that's all right, Nick. You got to let some other people. There, it's not really your uh, your jam. We're, we're not going to have any lucky crafts or any uh, rare baits tomorrow. It'll be mostly new stuff tomorrow. So, um, you won't be too sad. 
<clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I need to maybe go look around tomorrow because my ponds are wide open by my house. And I saw a picture <clears throat> that looked like Noah Schultz, who lives about an hour south of me, looked like he was out on a lake and caught some bass in like yesterday, which or whatever the I don't know where he was. I'm assuming he was in Minnesota, but maybe he was down in Iowa. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what I'm getting on the water. It's not this weekend because my truck is with my wife. So. But I would say, I didn't look at the extended forecast. Should we look at the Minnesota extended forecast for weather? <clears throat> Who does not love a good weather talk, right? So today we hit 50-something. Tomorrow is... Sixty-three. Then we kind of dip back down next weekend. Looking a little. Ooh, if this is trending right, I could definitely see. But here's the thing: is I got work travel next week, and then I want to say the Northwest Sports Shows this weekend, and the Classics the weekend after that. And I've got travel, so I don't know. It's gonna. We'll see. I definitely think I can get out and probably do some some crappie fishing on uh, sooner than later. But I don't know when I'm going to have time to, like, make a trip to a border water where I can actually legitimately bass fish. Owls don't milk themselves for the classic. Well, that's a bummer. How far are you, Rick? Is it something you can just bop over for a day? Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, Livescope effectively... Is a part of everything. It's just a matter of is it like the main thing? Is it the only thing they're doing? But I mean, it's hard to think that anybody's going to win without at least leveraging it to be more efficient at what they're doing. Clay, we secretly know that you hope Ben wins every tournament. Uh, Nick says somebody believes the uh... yeah, I can see that. I think it's going to be a lake by lake cases, lake by lake basis, but yeah, I think the lakes open here in the next <clears throat> two weeks. You'll probably go to pool two and be fishing here soon. Uh, tried for some bullheads. I might go out and cast in the local pond a little bit tomorrow. New York Lakes hitting 40 to 43 geese in the shallow. Won't be long. Oh, if it isn't the mole. It's weird timing that you just showed up just after 8 o'clock, Brian. Brown. Yeah, we need rain. Rain would be good because it would dust off the ice soon and our lakes need it. It's true. Only one angler could win without forward facing zoner. Rob Toad says Trey wins AOI. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he is leading it, I think, right now, right? If I go to Bass Track, you can see who's... Let's see. Uh, he is AOI number one. Uh, number two is Cooper Gallant. AOI number three is Justin Hamner. Wesley Gore is number four. Chris Johnson is number five, tied with Ben Milliken at this point. Your top five AOI. Good question, MJ. Don't try to be negative, but is it really worth going to the Classic? I have limited weekends off and tend to dedicate my time to my own fishing. Thoughts? Yes. Have you been to a Classic before, MJ? Um, I went to my first one last year. I thought it was pretty awesome. I didn't spend a lot of time. I did go to part of one weigh-in on Saturday. I did not go to the Friday weigh-in. Um the show itself is probably the best bass fishing tackle show that you will go to. So if you're a tackle guy or gal uh, that likes to see all the new tackle, likes to be able to see like bass boats, technology, lures, uh, get your hands in on some sales, it's the best place there is <clears throat> is the Bassmaster Classic. Um, then... If also, if you'd like to meet pros, if that's of interest, not everybody does, but if you would like to meet some anglers, then it's a pretty, I mean, like if you want a place where you can walk up and take to Micah Canelli or Kevin Van Dam or Maddie Wong or Dakota E. Bear or whoever. Like it's one of the few places where you could, you know, talk to Rick Clun and David Fritz and Jimmy Houston and Bill Dance and right. So those would be the big reasons to go to the classic. Um, there's pretty cool to be able to meet up with people you know online, right? Like I had a lot of fun meeting up with people. Um, got to say hi to Darius and shake his hand last year, which was pretty cool. Uh trying to think who else maybe uh Gramps ghosted me, but I got to uh uh say hi to uh army outdoors so that was cool a few others i'm probably missing some uh and then there's some of the after hour socialization like going to like luke duncan's thing or some of the other i mean like you could meet some of you people you hang out with uh in kind of more social after hours um situations but those are the main reasons some people do really like to go for the weigh-in and stuff too. That's not totally my jam, but I also go from a, like I thought last year was good. I got to like create some content. Uh, I got to see some people in the industry. I made some connections for future shows. So I also do it a little bit for business reasons because of the YouTube channel and, and that kind of stuff. So hopefully that answers your question, MJ. All right. <clears throat> Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple lakes up by Malax that are starting to open up. Is this a cowboy party? 
North Metro still has ice, but I don't think the ice is very good. Uh, I may or may not have Easton Fothergill on my Drain the Lake team. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think MJ, it's worth going once. And you'll either know, I mean, go when it's right. I don't know. I don't know where you are, MJ, but if Grand Lake is a reasonable drive for you and it's close, go. Or if next year Fort Worth is closer or whatever, I, I'd say go once, see what you think. You might love it. You may be like, that was cool, but I don't need to go again. But I think going to a classic once is definitely, I would say, worth it. Yeah, you meet a lot of like-minded individuals. That's for sure, Chris. See, so Ralph went last year and he had an amazing time. He was, uh, I could see it when I talked to him because we, Ralph, we met up, I think, at the takeoff on day two down by the river, right? And I could just see it in your eyes. You were like just stoked and we're having a great time. So I think we might have ran into each other one other time at the at the expo too. So yeah, I would say probably not a flight in a I mean for uh, for some people, a flight in a hotel. I would try to do it when you can get by on the cheap and check it out. I was just saying that, Sean. I hope to be going this year. Uh, I know you ghosted me last year, Sean. Uh, I have some work travel and some other things going on that's going to make it tricky. So we'll see if I can make it happen or if I'm going to be like an in and out thing. But I would really like to go. Uh, if you win the Classic, it does come with an Elite Series invite. There hasn't been somebody that won the Elites that wasn't an Elite Angler in forever. But Yes, an elite uh, Bassmaster Classic win does come with a Elite Series berth. Trevor says he'll be there Friday and Saturday all day. I hope so, but I have work travel potentially that week, and then my daughter leaves for spring break that Friday to go to Spain for a week. And I don't know if my wife is going to be super jacked if I go to the Classic the day before my daughter leaves for Spain. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure I would guess the classic will be in Knoxville in the next three to four years again. Five tops. I mean, I think Hartwell, Knoxville, Grand, maybe Fort Worth starts to get in the heavy rotation again. I mean, we're probably going to see a Birmingham classic and not too far, but like outside of those five or six, I don't think you're going to see a lot of new classics. There's just not that many places that have the infrastructure, putting up the money, have the convention center, the fisheries. You could watch Matt Robinson drink beer out of a boot. That's true. You should have definitely said, I bet you when you walked by us, we were standing at the X2 booth. Because I remember that's where I talked to uh, Hallman. We would have totally said hi to you, Jay Hood. Next time, don't hesitate to interrupt and say hi. If I do go, I will have this year. I will have pockets full of stickers, though. If I do make it, so if you do walk by me, Jay Hood, and I am there, uh, um, did the, did the the one we recorded yesterday come out? I think I've done three now with Kurt Dub on Bass Edge. I don't know if yesterday's came out already. Uh, I hope so. And here's the thing. If you like to meet 
pros or legends. Like if you want to talk to Rick Klon or Mike Canelli or KVD or somebody like that, here is the hack. On Friday, you figure out what booth they are. And when the majority of the people leave the show to go to the weigh-in, then all of a sudden it goes from like, you know, Rick Klun having 50 people standing in line to him to like three people. So if you want to meet some of like your, like, I know last year Gramps wanted to meet Bill Dance. I don't think he waited in line for quite a while. But if you can find people what where they're going to be in the booth in that like three to five o'clock hour at the end of the day when people are trying to get to the weigh-in, you can like walk right up to just about anybody you want to. <clears throat> yeah. Knoxville is cool in that respect, that it's all close. They probably just have him run to the fridge and get everybody else's. Clay's going to the Lake Fork weigh-in. I'm pretty sure somebody in the top 10 will bring it over. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking around lunch. It's like 11 to 1230-ish, like tomorrow. I won't be buying you any trick sheds this year the way you've been treating me, Brendan. What happened to Lee Livesey? I mean, he caught him better today. He basically said he got just uh, spun out yesterday and got behind the eight ball and made bad decisions. That's kind of what the gist of it was. I don't know. I I I think the old MLF and a specifically BPT thing cheating is. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's much to it, to be honest. <clears throat> Um, he's he's going to get Ben Milliken's autograph. Is why Clay is going to Lake Fork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve says he talked with Brian Thrift on Saturday. He was all alone and just won Redcrest like two weeks before. I remember walking by. Uh, Dakota Ebear was like in the Gill booth or the 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 Grundens or whatever his apparel was, and. He had literally won, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the last few years, and he was standing there like nobody knew who he was. I heard them talking about the stickers, but I was driving. I didn't see the sticker. Oh, he'll be there first in line. Arm around him. 402 jersey. Post it on your Instagram. Who won the first event on Ford Facing Sonar? Um, are you talking about a lead event or just a major tournament like a Toyota? I mean, the first one that I remember that was really talked about a lot, I guess, that got a lot of publicity with the, the latest version of Ford Facing Sonar was like Cody Huff in 2020 on Toledo Bend. But I know Jason Christie credits the old Panoptics to giving him a win on Lake St. Clair when he was... Uh, cracking a tube on bait casting gear on Lake St. Clair. And that was like, what, 16, 17, 18, somewhere back then?
Sorry. Got some volume issues over here. All right. I don't know if that's who you were looking for, Jim. I'm sure there was somebody that uh, did it before that. <laughs> I did see them cut off uh, Swindle today. So Ben's 402, that's an interesting one. So one of the main area codes in Nebraska is 402. But it also is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard this, that like there's like an internet code, Air 402 or something like that, that has to do with like, um, like payment not accepted or not payment or something. And so the thought of like, he's going to have a blank jersey with 402, there's a double meaning behind like, nobody is putting enough money to be on my jersey. I don't know if that's true or not. But it's it's definitely the 402 in Nebraska. It's whether it has that other double meaning or not. We missed each other. That means you didn't come to the Camus booth. Uh, so I don't know, Jim. What, did any of us get the answer to your question? Uh, you think Bill Widler was the first one? I don't think that's right. Because that, yeah, I don't think that's correct. Said he turned down 200K. Yeah, I heard that they said they basically he had an agreement with a, a partner and basically they were adamant that they had to have a logo on a jersey and he said he wouldn't put a logo on a jersey because it didn't do anything and they just Yeah. So I don't know. That was just something I had heard, Travis, on that 402 uh code, but <laughs> But I don't think it was Bill Widler. Bill Widler or St. Clair Bassmaster. That was 2022. That's definitely not the first. Not even close. Huff won a Toyota event. And that was 2020. And then, uh, well, I guess, I mean, Christie's win was in, might have been an open. That was 2017. And I think that was original Pan Optics. So. I mean, you don't see me wearing a jersey. <laughs> Do I know anything about the Thunderhawk Tico rods? I have not heard about those.
I don't know your what Scott Martin on Cumberland. I don't even remember Scott Martin winning on Cumberland. Martin wins tour on Lake Cumberland 2017. That would have been about the same year that Christie won on St. Clair. So that's the right era of panoptics. And this was in April. So that probably potentially could have been before. So that, that might be a, an accurate one, Clay. So we're a little over an hour, and I feel like I've ran out of things to talk about. What other questions do people have tonight? Let's see. I think everybody stopped watching on. Uh... Nomadic Roomba said he saw six-degree water in uh, the DFW area on uh, <clears throat> Instagram. <laughs> Am I going to buy the DC 746CB? Probably not. I'm pretty good with the rod I have for chatterbaits. Then we kind of broke down the tournaments. Dakota Ebear is killing things. And we could talk about... Uh, I need to buy my 24 fishing license because if I go to the pond tomorrow, I need a fishing license to at least be legal to be casting in there. Um... What makes for a good flipping pitching reel? I like flipping and pitching. I like a a shallow, larger spool. I like a seven to one to eight to one. I like a little bit bigger handle. Uh, something that's palmable. We don't need a lot. Good gears, good drag. I mean, like something you can lock down. I had Bass Tech like hats and tees you could get through like a one of those print on demand places. That's the only place I've ever done it. More likely that we'll see Hella Bass hats and tees before we see Bass Tech hats and tees. Effects Custom Rod. Nice. Are those the ones from like the Ozarks? If you go to the lake and line up baits outside of a bucket and say you're tuning them, that's still fishing. And if you're not buying a fishing license, then you're just being a cheap ass, Brendan. Although you're probably not even, are you even old enough to need a fishing license? Who do you think wins someone good with live bait and no live scope with regular electronics or someone really good with live scope and artificial? Hmm. I don't think either one of those is like a landslide. Like neither one of those is a 10 on a 10. I think it would depend on the situation and where you're fishing. Um That's a tough call. So he says live scope and artificial wins. Uh, yeah, Chris, you can get a, a, all members are eligible to get uh, stickers. Just send me a, a message and I'll send you some like on Instagram or Facebook.
So J Hood supposedly, uh, what's his name, the barrister from Virginia, Ed Lofren the third, had figured out how to get his Google glasses to hook up with his. I don't know if it's Garmin or Lorance or what unit he's using. Um, <clears throat> to like overlay it so he could see it through the google glasses and supposedly he'd used it for crappie fishing he did not supposedly use it for the toledo bend but said he might try to use it in a future uh, elite event i don't know if he did it on fork this week but his performance has not been great in the first two events but i don't think we're far away from that it's like the game whack-a-mole darius you just every time he pops up you have to you want to see live scope and live bait? We'll just put live scope on your bass cat and get yourself some minners, Clay. Um, underwater cameras are not the same as front facing sonar. And honestly, a front facing sonar is probably a better tool for fishing than a camera because a camera, unless they're right under your boat, is if the fish are not right under your boat, a camera is not really uh, useful. So I'd rather have front facing so than a camera. But you still have to like you don't know for sure what the fish is on front facing sonar with a camera, you would know what the fish is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I feel like on that, I mean, I guess I've never worn Google glasses, but like with everybody going to like, I guess I don't know, like a little tiny screen that you can see here, this close to your eye versus a big screen you can see, you know, two, three feet from your face. I feel like discerning, like trying to pick up your bait on a Google Glass, I don't know if that'd be easy or tough. That's right, Tom. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint in fantasy fishing. Yeah. Darius and, and, and Brendan are they're gathering together. Uh, Front-facing sonar is not $55,000. You can get a 10-inch unit and a front-facing sonar unit for like Two grand, twenty five hundred. And most of these guys, like Brian Schmidt with five units across their dash and three units up front, aren't catching them. The guys that are catching them for the most part are guys that know how to use the one or two units they have, not because they have a whole like fifty five. The guys that are overspending and over arming are not the guys that are like catching them. There are a few exceptions, but just buying a bunch of screens and transducers is not fixing the problem for most of these guys. You either know how to use it or you don't. He said it because he has fish is as vision issues and it's easier to see for crappie fishing. If you're in Mexico, I would think you could find a nine inch Garmin and a used LVS 32 and not be that expensive. I think. I think 
Drew Gill has a pretty good perspective. Is if you think a front-facing sonar is a a technology for learning bass behavior, you can learn more with that twenty-two hundred dollar investment and shorten the curve. Versus a lot of us don't think twice about, you know, going on the water and trying to rack up all that experience of fish behavior, getting little tiny bits of data over a long amount of time. And we spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on continuous fishing trips where we're not collecting as much data, you know, or hiring guides or, you know, if you think about it, you can shorten your learning curve and reduce your overall expenses to learn by investing in the technology. I mean, he makes a pretty good case for that. Yeah, a brand new 32 in Echo Map is like 1500. So yeah, you as I'm saying, if you go used, what a grand? You could be set up with a pretty function. I mean, the the LVS 32 is probably what still the third best option. You have LVS 34, Active Target 2, and then the 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 LVS 32 is probably better than Active Target 1 and better than uh Hummingbird Live. There you go. Trevor got a nine inch front facing for 1900 on sale. Yeah, Kyle Patrick, uh, single unit. Drew Gill, one unit, one. Uh, yeah. And when you talk to guys, you listen to Drew Gill, you listen to Robert Key, you listen to Wesley Gore. Uh, you listen to these guys talk on how they break down the water and then leverage the front-facing sonar. They're not just dropping their trolling motor next to the ramp and finding fish. They do know a ton about seasonal movements, where fish set up, and they know a lot of that because they spent so much time using the front-facing sonar to learn this fish behavior. It's not as easy as dropping the trolling motor in and just casting at dots. I promise you that. They're all the nine-inch screens. You can definitely get a nine-inch and a, a Garmin nine-inch unit for twenty-five hundred bucks or less, one hundred percent. He's actually dropped to fifth in AOI after today, but I'm not that surprised. He's a really good fisherman, and he and these these anglers, right? I think here's the other. Uh, kind of dichotomy of the sport is most of these younger anglers not only are leveraging technology but they're putting way more time on the water right most of these younger anglers are fishing three to five to six seven days a week most of these you know uh veteran anglers are not putting in the time like when they go home they're deer hunting they're going to college football games they're spending time with their, I'm not saying they shouldn't, right? They're spending time with their family. They're doing other, like Ike, when he goes home, he's not fishing. He's working on all his businesses, right? These other anglers are like the, you know, the five days a week that the Matt Herons and the Gerald Swindles and name the, the journeyman pro that you want to talk about the time, you know, back when they were younger, when they were put fishing five, six, seven days a week, are not as valuable as the time that they're putting in now with front-facing sonar because 
the information is so much more accurate and the information they're getting is so much richer. So the learning curve and what's going on now, like most of these pros are not willing to put the time in to compete. And you can be old school. If you just want to fun fish, um, there's really no need. Like you can do it however you want, but if you want to compete at the Bassmaster Elite Series and the BPT and the Toyotas and those places, then you got to adopt the technology. There, nobody has to adapt technology if they just want to go out and fish for fun, even fishing your local tournaments. But if you want to compete at a high level, then you do have to do it. It was super cool to see Manny Wong tossing the glide and catching them and getting bit. I also think for some reason these people putting all these units on, they thought that was going to be their shortcut and they thought it was going to be like the easy button to get caught up. And I think they're finding out that's not the case. I mean, I don't think so, Stephanie, because golf isn't easy and there's millions of people that spend all kinds of money on golf and golf isn't easy. You know, people think it's the same reason that we buy like fishing lures because we think like if we get some cool new lure, it's going to like be the the deal. Everybody's always looking for like a hack or an easy button and it's not. You got to put the time in. I mean, crappie fishing, that's another story. Like crappie fishing, it can be an easy button when it comes to harvesting crappies. But and just catching bass, sure, it can be make it a lot easier, but still competing at the top level. It takes a lot of skill to compete. Uh, and it's one thing to go out when it's nice out and everything, the conditions are in your favor. But when it's Mother Nature's roaring and you're trying to like use that, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm not even that big a fan of it. I only have front-facing sonar because I like to fish tournaments at a high level and I want to be competitive. I'd rather not have to have front-facing sonar. But now that it's here, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend that it's going away. Right. The the people that are at the high top of the game are the students, and now they have a technology to even separate themselves even more because they're leveraging it better than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. These guys are not selling their belts and sitting in deer stands. They're not they don't have season tickets to Oklahoma and Alabama. They don't uh you know that this is their everything. And see, I mean, we we saw that, right? Like, you know, back in the 90s, you know, NHL players used to, you know, drink beer every night after the game. And, you know, now that athletes are all taking it to a higher level in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, for years, guys like Andy Morgan and uh, David Dudley, they used to brag about how they never fished when they were home. And... Now that doesn't cut it anymore. The The days of being able to get by on that just doesn't work. Yep. Hard work beats talent when talent don't want to work hard. And I think that is some of it, honestly. I'm, I am looking forward to watching Maddie uh, tomorrow. That should be cool. We cover that in the lunch stream tomorrow. Yeah. 
Nope. I mean, yeah, Toledo Bend was not that great to watch. It, the only reason you would watch Toledo Bend is A, if you just want to see good fish catches because they were catching big fish. And two, if you're interested in understanding front-facing sonar and you watched like uh, Robert Gee, who was very good at explaining it and showing, you know, and then you were interested in how fish, I mean, if you were interested in being better at front-facing sonar, Toledo Bend was good to watch. If you were not interested in that, Toledo Bend was not for you. 100% agree. Lake Fork is more dynamic, though, and it's a better viewing experience for a larger uh, amount of people. All right, later, Mole. There you get, see, Landon's putting his work in. Landon knows that he needs to spend all his time uh, leveraging that technology to learn. Yeah, Tompkins spends over 300 days on the water. Yeah, fishing a few days here and there when you're not at a tournament is not getting it done anymore. I think if anglers are trying to make it look outrageous to get LiveScope banned, I think they're wasting their money because I don't think that's going to happen. Yes, nothing will ever beat time on the water, but time on the water with front-facing sonar will beat time on the water without front-facing sonar. Stephanie, a 19-year-old kid beating a veteran. Explain, I think I just, not trying to be rude, Stephanie, but I feel like I just spent the last five, 10 minutes explaining why that is. Because the veterans are not putting in the work. They're not willing to use the tools. And the time on the water that this 19-year-old kid that has been fishing hard for the last five to six years, 200 plus days a year with this technology, has caught him up to the people that have been resting on their laurels for the last 20 years. Yeah, that's right. Trevor McKinney has been all in, even though he's 19, he's been all in for a decade. Yes, and it, a lot has to do with the angler. Uh, certain anglers like Fujita, right? Kuyoyo, he's not that entertaining unless you just want to see what sneaky stuff and you're trying to like figure out what the ninja is doing because he ain't going to tell you. But the way Robert G explained it and some others talked about it, it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. I mean, when KVD came in, he outworked him. He out hustled him. He was one of the first people to leverage mapping. He was one of the first people to leverage side imaging at a higher level than anybody else. Uh, it's not really that different. AVD was doing the same thing these guys are doing now. Yeah, front-facing sonar is definitely debunking some of the like the rules of bass fishing and bass behavior that we thought we knew based on getting incomplete information for those 50 years. And now somebody can go out in a year or two or five of hard work and really learn what fish are doing. 
there wasn't nearly as much screen shown. I wasn't like I was listening more than I was watching. Uh, not as much today as there was at Toledo Bend. Uh, I think it would be better to see more screen sharing. I agree. I mean, I also think, I mean, if, if anglers don't want to share, then, I mean, I don't think just because you finish in the top five or six or because you start with a camera guarantees you should have the camera all day. I mean, if you're not putting on a good product, then why should the Bassmaster camera stick with you? It's true. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Absolutely true, Stephanie. Frankie Frank. Thumbs up reminder. Sure, that that definitely doesn't hurt. Much appreciated. Most people, I guess about 60-some percent, think that Paul Ice is not going to win. I'm going to do more Friday night. There's a lot of people hanging out in chat tonight. I do think also up where uh, we do not have shad for the most part in Minnesota, Colby, and we have a lot of grass, which also mitigates uh, front-facing sonar uh, effectiveness. I do think it would be good to see Bassmaster roll out the 2025 schedule, and I'd love to see the Potomac River, uh, maybe Gunnersville, like summertime, like when they get in the grass good, uh, uh, lacrosse. Um, you know, picture a Champlain, like, I don't know where this would be, but like another lake like Champlain without smallmouth, like a largemouth only Champlain type event. There's got to be some grass lakes up in New York that don't have smallmouth populations where they're heavy. Like Minnetonka, they're not going to go there, but Minnetonka would be a really good uh, tournament lake to fish that would definitely mitigate some of the effectiveness of front-facing sonar. I definitely think bass could do themselves some favor. If they really want to like curb front facing sonar usage by scheduling it out to some degree or balancing the schedule. Yeah, but this year they were showing, last year it was all Hummingbird because of a partnership, but I feel like this year they were showing other units. What's up, Matt? How's your fantasy team doing? Um, have I tried to hover rig yet? I actually did. Uh, I used the hover rig last year in a Tuesday night tournament and I caught, uh, like a four pounder and a five pounder almost back to back in like 10 casts. Um, uh, last year towards the end of the year in the summer, I did find some fish on crystal that I saw in a weed patch and I caught a couple on drop shop that weren't really reacting. And then I slow rolled my chicken jig over the top of it. And I watched them all come out of the grass and attack the jig. And so it was interesting to see them react to a different bait that they weren't really reacting to finesse, but that chicken jig really got them excited. So uh, I, I have not got to spend as much time with it and put as many reps in as I'd want. And obviously my motor last fall, not being at the end of the year, limited my time to get out. Um, 
JP, we will see Hello Bass 2024 merch when uh, Dan Fabiano finishes his logo work. Yeah, I don't know, AJ. Maybe AJ's fishing. Matt says he's got Taku. Hey, Big Jim from Dale Hollow. Are they biting at Dale Hollow? Do I remember who the other member that was going to the TBF championship from Minnesota? Is that what you're asking me? This year... So last year was Vermilion? No, the river. So from Minnesota, it was uh, Kevin Rue and is the boater. That's from Wisconsin. The boater is, oh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, the group was going to. Who was also in this group? Uh, what was uh There was, uh, well, I know Waze, Roch, like he was going from Iowa. I don't remember if that was, I think that was a co-angler. Dustin went last year. Yeah, Nick's going to Dardanelle, but that's the MBLA team tournament. Is Colby going? Mm. All right, MJ says, as a regional term angler with no real interest in sponsorship or social media following, would you still re recommend recording yourself fishing so you can view the game tape? Hmm. Possibly. I can't say that I, I mean, I, I review it because I edit the tape, but I don't typically look at it just to review the tape. But it is kind of nice, like I put the videos out so I can go back, like, I've got some tournaments on Vermilion coming up this year, potentially. And I'll go back and rewatch, like skim through some of my tournaments and see some of my decision makings and uh, things like that. Sometimes it's good to jog my memory about what I remember or don't remember about a tournament. Um, oh, really? I need to go back and check that out. Bill Taylor talked about Tony Christensen. Ugh. Clay. Send me a timestamp on Instagram. Yeah, Jason. Uh, that's the guy I was trying to think of. It was Jason. Uh, I can't remember his name, though. Last name. It uh, does take up a lot of space and uh, time to do that footage, though. Hand says, do you believe that notion that front foisting sonar is teaching us so much, given that you still have to use your previous bass knowledge to get you the right starting point in the water to begin with? Yes, to some degree, but some of that previous bass knowledge isn't as accurate as we think it is. And somebody going out learning now gets much faster, more accurate return on the information and is rewriting their knowledge 
So they don't need previous vast knowledge because they're getting current vast knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah, Wes Logan was making things awkward today. He basically made some comments about, I just don't know if I can fish like this. And I, I you know, I grew up, you know, I can't just have my head down all day. I got to look up and I, I can't fish like this. And uh, I started gathering a bunch of uh, YouTube clips to kind of put together my own Tony Christensen, like fact finding mission, but I kind of ran out of steam on that. Uh, we did talk about that earlier. The glide bait Marty Wong was throwing earlier. I don't think I started. Who uh, was it? A eighty fish eighty. Somebody that remembers the Baitman chat from way back. I don't know if my chat goes back that far. Let's say I use Control F. Nope. Baitman. Oh. Every time I scroll back, somebody will probably have uh, already remembered it. I can't find it. Did somebody answer it? Eighty-six baits was close, so it's an eighty-six. I don't remember. Bateman said what the model was. What's up, hooks that for free? Are you uh, you going live? Yeah, actually, it's right on the screen right now, Mister Deputy. It's right there, scrolling right under me. That OMHB five DSM. I also posted in the chat earlier. A Dooms Rider, uh, 86 Dooms Rider. There you go. Right. Hook sets are free, will be tomorrow night on YouTube. All right, yeah, thanks for checking in. Uh, let's see. We uh, Have I thrown the 316th Rising Sun? I have not. But I'd like to get some 316 baits because they seem pretty cool. Doom Raider. Not Rider, Doom Raider. Green Gizzard specifically says Clay. Three hundred bucks. That's it. It's a bargain at twice the price.
All right, I feel like we're at a good stopping price. Uh, members, I'll uh, see you guys maybe tomorrow at lunch. Uh, whatnot fans, I'll see you at one o'clock. Oh, I should just uh, drop you the link to the whatnot if anybody wants to bookmark it quick. Where do I have that? A second. Next, what not? If you want to bookmark it, there's a link. Otherwise, we're gonna buy you burner. You came just the end, maybe catch the replay. Thanks for everybody hanging out on a Friday night. I think we had some good conversations tonight. If you want to go back and listen to the replays, good chats tonight. MP3, Facebook, YouTube. You know, hit the thumbs up, do the comments. Love to hear what you guys think, and I uh, will talk to some of you this weekend. Help here to help you guys catch more big bass. And suck less. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.